Sessions with Cordates. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Convos with Cordates. My name is Anastasia and I will be your host for today. Today is a very special day and episode and, well, month, because I would like to celebrate the wonderful, beautiful, and very inspiring women in my life, because March happens to be Women's History Month, and March 8th um, was International Women's Day. So I think it's really important to basically celebrate um, women uh, and people who identify as women. This episode is very near and dear to me because I have asked some really admirable women in my life to basically send in a short audio clip of their experience of being a woman. And this audio clip can be anything, anything from, you know, their careers to perhaps pros of being a woman um, or, or, you know, perhaps even some more cons of being a woman. So I do want to trigger warning this episode um, that there may be some triggering topics such as uh, talk of sexual assault, um, of bullying, and of sexism. So please be mindful of your mental health and, um, you know, you be your own judge on whether you would like to listen to this episode. So, um, since I'm lucky enough to be the host of this show, um, I would like to basically start with a little bit about me and and my experience, um, basically being a woman um, in in STEM in particular or in academia. Um, I have been doing my PhD for the past few years. I've recently handed in, um, but you know the process, of course, is is still ongoing. Um, but Throughout academia, there have been times where basically I either haven't been taken seriously um, or there were, you know, people above me um, would basically use their power against me. And that that majority of the time does happen to be to be men who do that. I and I'm not saying that, you know, women academics who are higher up don't do that. I'm just saying in my personal experience, I have not experienced that. But I have experienced it multiple times with men. And it comes from men who, you know, yell at the rooftops that they are for women, that they are all about equality or and equity and accepting of everybody. But there is some basically like almost subconscious, I guess, sexism that they don't realize, um, just because they've had the this privilege of being a white man. Um, and I do want to accentuate that, that it is mostly the white men. Um, I do find that it's not just women who are looked down upon, um, but marginalized communities, um, people of the LGBTQ community, um, people of different races. So I do want to um, <clears throat> include that as well in, in the episode. Um, but I think I would also like to dedicate a full other episode to kind of um, to really highlight those uh, other other people in those other communities. Um, and today we, we will mostly focus on people who identify as women. So anyways, um, like I said, I have been um, 
unfortunately, it's not even looked down upon. It's basically almost forgotten about um, one of the times that I really bring up because it's it's lived in my head rent-free for now, let's say, seven years. Um, it was during my master's degree where we had a visiting professor and um, my lab consisted of myself, uh, who was a master's student, I was a master's student at the time, uh, a PhD candidate who was a white male, and my supervisor, who was also a white male, and this visiting professor, who was actually visiting from Australia, um, and he was also a, a white male established academic. He was coming to visit our lab. And one of the first things that really took me aback was when he came in and he shook everybody's hand like there was there was three other people in the room right me and two others and he shook he went down the line he shook my supervisor's hand and then he shook my uh, the PhD candidate's hand so my colleague's hand and he completely ignored me like like I wasn't even in the room basically. Um, and that's not to say that like, you know, I, I, I didn't go in for a handshake, like my hand was very clearly out. Um, so I just, you know, I was kind of like one of those people who got, um, who missed a high five, you know, (laughs) and I just basically had to like, nonchalantly put my hand away and just pretend like that didn't happen because you know get this I was the one embarrassed in that situation well I was embarrassed because this was in front of my colleagues and and this was in front of my supervisor um and this man did that um and then as we kind of continue that conversation my supervisor you know during my master's is is an incredible supervisor and he kind of went okay you know this is what our lab does he he basically explained what our lab does uh, in, in general to this visiting professor and then he goes okay well you know PhD candidate um, tell him about your project and the PhD candidate did and then he went okay well uh, Anastasia why don't you tell him about your project and I told him about my project and he seemed to be really interested in my project because he then had a follow-up question about my project but he turned to the PhD candidate who like our projects had nothing to do with each other. His projects was on genetics. My project was on behavior. He turns to the PhD candidate and goes, so in her project, what does, and I, I just, I, I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, there was, it was a particular question to my project to do with my stuff. And he was asking the PhD candidate and he knew that the PhD candidate wasn't doing this project because he asked, like he used an article to describe me right he used my pronouns uh for my project and uh, anyways um I I got really fed up in that meeting and that's when I turned to my supervisor and I went I'm really gonna uh, I'm sorry I'm gonna have to excuse myself I've got um an experiment running and and it wasn't that I didn't have an experiment running I did but I didn't have to do it that day and I was like screw it I'm getting out of the situation anyways so that was my experience that has not left my mind um and feel free to you know share your experiences as well um feel free to email me at um conversations uh conversations with cordates at gmail.com um but i would also like to now get into some of the audio clips that we have from my fellow women
I also want to preface that these audios are in no particular order whatsoever. It's however my computer has decided to organize the audio. So no particular order. Um, and I will be giving basically a small story about this woman who's who's going to be featured in the audio clips um, and a bit of background about them. I also want to mention I actually haven't heard any of these audios, so um, we will be reacting to them together as an audience. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really glad that um, some of these people decided that this was a cool project and wanted to participate in it. So thank you so much to these wonderful ladies. Um, for the people who couldn't participate, I completely understand. I know that this is a really... Um, you know, it can be a difficult time for some people, whether you're struggling mentally or physically or just workload. I completely understand. And that is okay. Um, but let's get into the first audio. So our first audio is by this wonderful woman who I met in Australia, and she happens to be a fellow Canadian. And her name is Amy Urban. Now, Amy, um, you are just the most confident woman I think I've ever met and you are so incredible and you are so unapologetically yourself and I really really admire that and I wish uh, I, I hope actually to be like you one day I think you're an incredible person and I love that you um, strive for everything that you want to achieve you're um, very hard set on your goals and I really appreciate that and, um, you know, you, you go through some hard things and you always have your fellow friends um, to, to lean on. And um, you've really been there for me for, for quite a few things. Um, and I, I hope I've been there for you, too. Um, and, uh, yeah, let's see what Amy has had to say. I think there are pros and cons for all genders. As women, our cons are we get paid less, we don't get the same financial education as men, we are often overlooked, we face so much pressure to look and be perfect, um, we have pressure to be mothers, to do majority of the housework, even when both partners work full-time, and all this pressure can be so overwhelming, and I feel it on a regular basis. However, as a woman, there's so many pros. We have better mental health, we are more emotionally intelligent compared to our male counterparts, and we have this powerful ability to talk things out and we don't keep our feelings and emotions bottled up inside. Because we talk, we are able to network and forge meaningful relationships that create opportunities for ourselves and for the women around us. If there's one thing I've learned, it's that women are powerful when we band together. Through the power of social connection, I know we can keep pushing to come up with solutions that help close the gap and create a society that is more equitable and fair, no matter your gender. Okay, that was beautiful. Um, and I'm like so happy that we actually started with this because I felt Amy really captured you know everything um as a whole um and I completely agree um you know there are pros and cons uh, as she did mention um actually when she started listing off some of the things that women are basically responsible for right and, and there's a term for it and um there's research on it called basically emotional labor um where we do have to think about um you know birthdays coming up and, and what to get for gifts or well what what is left in the fridge let me pick something up on the way and and all this stuff and and sometimes not always um but sometimes men are, are just expecting a woman to 
basically give them a list and, and they'll carry it out. And, and some men don't see an issue with that. And they go, well, you know, why is that? Why is that a problem? Well, because the woman had to do the hard labor part of it. She had to think of what to make for dinner. You just carried out the instructions. I mean, isn't it always easier when you already have a recipe given to you and then you follow that recipe with all the ingredients already provided to you than to actually find the recipe, find what's left in the fridge, find what you can make, and then buy the groceries if you have to. Like that's you know, that's a different kind of, of labor. Um, so I really appreciate Amy. Thank you so much for sending that in. That was wonderful. Um, I also wanted to say that it does remind me of a song that is coming up on coming out, sorry, on the 24th of, of March called Labor. I really encourage you to listen to it. It's by Paris Paloma. Um, it's really been taking TikTok by storm um, because it's just this like female ragey, beautiful song about how women take on so much um, for, for you know, especially back in the old uh, olden times <laughs> for, for men to have an, an easier life. And that's kind of frustrating that it does carry on into the 21st century. The next person that we are going to hear from is um, Melissa Pappas. Uh, Melissa, I'm so sorry if I completely butchered your last name, Um my sincerest apologies. I, I definitely should have asked you how to how to pronounce your, your last name, but maybe you say it in your audio. Um, but I met Melissa while we were doing our PhDs. Um, and I think we were both in, in similar years. Um, but Melissa had come up with this really innovative project where she combines art and science. Um, and she actually has a, a website for it that you're welcome to check out. It's emergingcreativesofscience.com. Uh, I will be putting it in the description. However, Spotify descriptions are a bit a bit weird. So um, when I share this post, I'll make sure to um, put that in. So Melissa and I met um, because I was part of the committee of this huge event that she was running. Um, so she was making a... Um, mural of art uh, on UNSW campus and um, she ran this huge event um, and photo exhibit celebrating women in um, in our department. Um, I believe it was, uh, now correct me if I'm wrong, whether it's the Faculty of Science or just in kind of the the bees and, and babs people and and that's just um acronyms for that in, in unsw basically it's the difference between babs is is more genetic molecularly people and bees is more like um evolution ecology um big you know big picture science and then really small things um but uh so the the photo exhibit that melissa organized um still hangs in at UNSW today um, and it's I'm in it and thank you so much Melissa for having me in it um, and basically we had our photographs taken and then we wrote a profile uh, you know the short bio about us uh, being women in science some really incredible um, women are featured in that photo exhibit so if you are uh, in Sydney in Australia and you are perhaps at UNSW or maybe you're visiting UNSW, go check out that photo exhibit. It's on the first floor in the atrium. 
Now, um, alongside the photo exhibit, Melissa also organized this huge conference. Um, it was a one-day conference um, where... Uh, we had a panel of of people um, who again told us about their experience um, being women or supporting women. So it, it was a, a variety of, of people actually. It was really wonderful. And um, I got to moderate that panel. Um, it was an incredible experience. And I thought... Uh, Melissa just has these incredible ideas. She is such an, uh, an a creative person. Um, and I think it's really cool that one of these huge projects that she has taken on is integrating science and art. So let's hear what Melissa had to say. I always thought being a woman in the world of science research was challenging. It definitely is, but I have realized now that it's not necessarily the field that presents the challenge. It's being taken seriously as a leader that's the real challenge. Hi, I'm Melissa Pappas, and I thought I had my career figured out the day I graduated college. I pursued graduate degrees in marine science, but soon found out that I enjoyed communicating my research much more than actually conducting it. And it turns out I like people more than I like coral. Building trusting relationships with other human beings to effectively engage them in the work I was doing was a skill most in the research world considered soft. However, it is that skill that has been the backbone of my current career in science communication and the reason why I can translate technical jargon into captivating stories people actually want to listen to. But if I was no longer a scientist, what other word could I attach my identity to? It ended up being the word entrepreneur. As I start my own SciComm business, I realize that being a woman in business is just as hard as being a woman in science. We need to work harder to earn people's trust when we step into leadership positions because the image of a leader has always been male. But we as women have leadership skills that keep society connected. Those were really some powerful words and it's very true. Um, I really agree with you, Melissa, being a uh, in a leadership role is really difficult and being taken seriously in a leadership role as a woman can be really difficult. Um, I wish you all the best with your endeavors. I, you know, as a fellow science communicator, uh, I cannot wait to see what other things um, come along on my timeline, you know, from you. Um, I, I really admire you. You're amazing. Thank you so much for being a part of this project. Our next uh, woman that I would like to celebrate, her name is Dr. Zoe Suracostas. She is, well, she was a fellow PhD candidate until she handed in her PhD. She graduated with flying colors and now she is a full doctor. Congratulations, Zoe. This is such an incredible achievement. I know you worked so hard for this. Um, and there's, you know, a lot of us I know really admire you. Um, you are an incredible scientist, but you are also a very humble person. Um, and you do some incredible work. I mean, this woman published in her honors. And I'm not like, she didn't just publish. Her stuff went viral. Um, her paper went viral because it was looking at different chromosomes. And basic, basically, she did this huge meta-analysis, which is this whole coalition of research, um, published research. And she showed that the Y chromosome can um, decrease your 
lifespan, basically. Um, this is like a very um, generalized view of that paper. That paper is beautifully written. It is beautifully done. And it really deserves all of the um, hype that it is getting still that it is getting. Um, but Zoe's um, Zoe has been an incredible support system throughout my PhD as well. Um, I really there there's just a few things that um I'm really glad I came to her. She is an incredible person, a really lovely friend and um thank you so much for having me in your life, Zoe. I really appreciate it. Uh let's see what Zoe had to say. So this Women's History Month, I just thought I'd take a second to appreciate having amazing women role models around me especially in the science industry as it's historically been dominated by men uh seeing my boss who is a woman in the workforce who's absolutely killing it and is a parent as well really opened my eyes to the possibilities of being able to have my own family one day in the future but still pursue the career that I've always wanted but I never thought I'd be able to have, or if I did want to have it, I wouldn't be able to have the family I wanted at the same time. So I think in 2023, we know that having and balancing a career and family is possible. And, you know, shout out to all the women who did the hard yards before us to get us to this place where we are now. (laughs) Don't you love that? Um, Zoe, took this amazing opportunity to highlight other women in her life. (laughs) And uh, thank you so much for that, Zoe. Um, Actually, this is perfect because the next person um, that I have on my list is actually happens to be uh, Angela Moles, who is uh, Zoe's boss. Uh, Angela is a professor uh, at UNSW. She supervised Zoe through her honors, through her PhD. Um, and I am so glad that she accepted the invitation to do this uh, on the podcast. Um, because, I mean, you know, I- I'm with Zoe. Zoe. Zoe said it perfectly. Angela is just a superstar. Uh, I don't know how she does it, um, but she does. She does science. She's a family um, woman. Uh, Again, that was weird. (laughs) She's a mom. She has a family. She's got a really prestigious career. Um, Yeah. And you, she really shows that uh, you can do it all. Hi, everyone. And happy Women's History Month. I'm Angela Moles from UNSW Sydney, and I wanted to start by telling you about my neighbour. She is an amazing individual called Mari, and she is 106 years old. And now in Women's History Month is a really good time to reflect on just how much things have changed during Mari's lifetime, and just how much better things are for women than they used to be in the past. But of course, it's also a time when it's worth thinking about how far we still have to come, and in particular, to ask ourselves, what can we do as individuals to help things progress in the right direction? And in particular, I think it's really important that women don't bring each other down, that we work together 
that we help and support each other, that we give each other positive feedback, that we act as mentors to each other, um, and that we just do nice things like nominating each other for prizes and saying nice things. So have a think about it. How can we make things change so that by the time you reach 106, things are even better and that people will look back on where we are now and go, man, I can't believe women lived like that. That was incredible. And I really want to meet your neighbor because she sounds like she would have a lot of stories to tell. Um, and yeah, that's that's so true. Um, one of the ways that women can support women is just by being there for each other and by nominating each other for things. Uh, I think very often um, women and marginalized groups tend to undersell themselves. Um, like, for example, I'm only going to talk about myself, but I feel very icky, <laughs> basically, when I talk about anything that I have achieved. Um, because I basically, it's like hard to to, to express and, and it kind of makes me sad. Um, but a lot of it I like to think is based on luck. You know, it's like, oh, well, I just happened to be at the right time, at right time and place. And you know, that's why I got this award. Um, and, you know, I'm sure there are, are parts of that as well, but, um, yeah, I mean, there is no, but that is exactly what I think. <laughs> um, and there has been times where I've tried to work this through therapy because mental health is very important and, um, you know, basically to be proud of myself. Um, and I think it, I have a very steep learning curve um, to go um, just so I stop feeling weird when I talk about anything that I've done in the past and maybe got um, some sort of praise for it. Um, but I, I do agree that, you know, we should be nominating each other. And I, uh, I'm very much uh, a person who will just celebrate these accomplishments that my friends uh, and my colleagues have made. And uh, I think I'm with Angela on this one. I thought that was an incredible audio piece. Thank you so much, Angela. So this next piece is going to be a little bit different. And um, I'm actually really glad that this person um, accepted my um, proposal. Um, this woman... Uh, her name is Samantha Burke. She is a PhD candidate at UNSW. She is a really dear friend of mine. Um, there's just something about her that m makes you feel safe. I, I don't really know how else to put it, but there's just something about her that makes you feel like not judged and you know, and and you can be very like truthful with her I, I'm I don't know I'm I guess I'm screwing up the words right now um but I came to her be, uh, specifically asking for a poem because she is an incredible writer she I cannot express enough how much of an incredible writer and 
poet uh, Sammy is. And I'm really happy that um, she really jumped on this opportunity. And um, please hear this poem by Samantha Burke. The poem is called Defining Woman. Define a woman, he said. He answered, it's simple anatomy. As if having a hysterectomy or skipping vaginoplasty makes you less than. It's a family role, he replied. But my friends and I pursued our careers. Did following our hearts mean we don't have one? It's all about reproduction. Then what are those who don't or can't? Woman isn't an expectation. It's defiance. Women are the suffragettes who sewed on pockets only to have them shrunken and sealed so we stitch together our freedoms. Women are the housewives who dreamed of more only to be denied jobs for wanting children one day so we reorganized to run our own industries. Women are the pedestrians who got harassed, then were blamed for imaginary seduction, so we embraced the beauty of our different figures. Women are the riot leaders, and lavender menaces in every color, class, and culture showcasing our boundless abilities and beautiful minds. We bolster economies, build communities, and continue to stand as one. Still oppressed, our war is not over. So we throw out our elbows and continue to take up space. We are diverse. We are proud. We are resilient. So go on, sir. What makes a man? I can't at how incredible that was. Sammy, that was brilliant. Um, I've read some of your writing, but um, (laughs) this is definitely one for the books. This one was just, just so powerful and uh, so incredible. Thank you so much for that beautiful piece of art. Um, We are about halfway through um, the podcast, I guess in terms of time, and um, our audio clips. Now, funny enough, (laughs) it just so happened that this first half was of people living here in, in Australia. And actually, a lot of these people I've met in the past maybe four years or so. Uh, This next person I also met here in Australia, but they are actually now in Canada. Um, This is Francesca Luberti, sorry, Dr. Francesca Luberti. Um, She's moved over to North Bay, Canada, where she now is a postdoctoral researcher. She studies human behavior, uh, specifically like human sex. Um, She's got some really cool stuff published. You can check her out. She's an incredible scientist. And she, well, she is, I was going to say was, um, just because you're overseas doesn't mean I just forget about you. Um, She is a um, incredible friend of mine. 
I think I use incredible a lot. I'm really sorry. Um, English is my second language. There's only so many um, words I have of my in my vocabulary. Um, that is what I'm going to blame it on. But Francesca is a brilliant scientist. She is a dear friend of mine. I she's she she really inspires me uh she inspired me when she was here she was always there to answer any of my um, perhaps obnoxious questions about a phd um she is a huge fan of rihanna <laughs> that is how <laughs> we, uh, a lot of us know <laughs> her for and uh she's getting married uh april 29th and i cannot cannot wait um, to be there for her Las Vegas wedding with her partner Scott uh, and I cannot wait to celebrate their love together. So take a moment with me and hear what Franny has to say. Hi everyone, uh, my name is Francesca. Thank you Anastasia for having me featured on your podcast. Um, so this year, I think I really got reminded of the importance of um, Women's History Month and International Women's Day, uh, because so many women around the world are really my heroes. Like the women in Afghanistan were fighting for the right of education. Um, the women in Iran were fighting uh, for the right to choose whether they want to wear uh, head coverings. Um, the women in the USA were were fighting for the right of access to safe abortions and trans women were fighting for the right to exist and really uh, women and girls everywhere fighting for their voices to be heard. And as a sexuality and gender uh, researcher myself, I know how bad and dangerous it can be for women's well-being to live in a society that is constantly policing women's sexuality and self-expression. So it's really important that we keep having our voices heard and that we keep fighting whether it's through voting, protesting, uh, becoming a CEO, becoming a female scientist, and most importantly, by supporting each other. So happy Women's History Month, everyone. Didn't I tell you that she's brilliant? <laughs> I, If this was a visual um, medium, you'd just see me nodding my head the whole time um, because she's she's right. And I... Francesca does some really incredible work. I, I remember going to her exit seminar in her PhD, and there were some really shocking results. Um, but she looked at the different um, political dynamics and that and how that plays into human sexuality, um, at different socioeconomic dynamics and how that plays into human sexuality. And there's some really eye-opening um, data that she showed that um yeah it was um uh, I'm I'm not going to go into it because I don't want to get it wrong <laughs> um but Franny if you're willing to I'm happy to find a time between Canada and Australia so that um we can talk about that because I you do some really powerful work and I would love to um put you on a medium that where other people can hear about it, um, that it isn't just, you know, gay kept by journals, um, but that other people get to hear about it as well. 
Up next, we have Musanda Yamfa. Moose has, I mean, we've known each other since undergrad university. And I remember we met, I believe we met at some party, but then we actually met um, in a library, with Stauffer Library at Queen's University. And we just so happened to have like cubicles right right beside each other. And um, I was really um, mesmerized by this woman because Moose, very similar to Amy, you are, to me, you radiate confidence. And I've always admired that throughout undergrad. And I think one of the reasons why I am the way that I am today um, is because of you. Because I saw how outgoing you were, how many projects you would have on, um, how many leadership roles you would take, and just the way that you carried yourself. I really, really admire that. And um, I'm really looking forward to what you have to say. Hi, everyone. My name is Musanda, and I've been working in the payments industry, which is the back-end infrastructure of how money moves, essentially, uh, for the past five years. And through my uh, different jobs and, um, you know, working with different individuals, I've quickly come to realize that in order to get to where you want to be, in your career, the only person that truly can get you there is yourself. Not in the sense of uh, never asking for support or questions, but more so listening to those cues and uh, not feeling bad that if you feel that something is not the right fit, that it's your fault. It definitely isn't. And there's something out there that will fulfill your needs in your career, in uh, the lifestyle that you want, and, uh, you know, don't hold yourself back in taking something that seems scarier than it truly is. Everyone starts somewhere, fake it till you make it, and, um, you know, you can always ask questions. If anything, honesty and being your true authentic self will take you farther than Um, thinking that you need to pretend to be someone who you're not or enjoying the type of work that you really don't want to do at the end of the day. Um, That happiness, that energy that you bring to your work will translate and um, is always appreciated. So um, don't be afraid. It's going to be all right. And if you don't like it, you can always change it up or go back to doing the same thing. It's all good. What did I tell you? How incredible is this woman? Um, And I can tell you that she lives by these words and she's always lived by these words and she's always been so resilient and so like she's always had this goal or at least it seemed like Moose. Um, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe in undergrad you were lost, but to tell you the truth, it did not look like it. Um, you were always on, you were always busy, and you were always on some sort of project or 
planning some sort of event or something. And um, I, I really agree as a person who has, uh, I, I, sorry, I agree with your statement as a person who has jumped around in careers. I haven't always been in academia. I mean, I've always been in science because I like it. But I haven't always been in academia. I've worked in the industry and now I'm a science communicator and it's basically all freelance work and it's the scariest thing I've ever done, but it's the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. Um, it's it's scary and, you know, it is important to be your own boss because this is your life. Nobody else's. And I, I think I need to listen to Moose's words more and more because I need to hear that, that this is my life. I'm my, I'm my own boss and I've got to stop um, basically having other people dictate what I do with my life. I don't think I do it as often now. I think when you're young, you do a, little, a lot more because, you know, we're looking for guidance and sometimes that guidance can come in a very malicious manner. Um, but now uh, it's just a scary world out there. So, you know, you've got to be your own boss. And uh, that's, uh, I think that was some incredible advice. Thank you so much, Miss Anda. Up next, we have a person that, a woman that I met at the same time, actually, as Musanda. We we are. Why do I keep on saying we were? Just because you're overseas, you are not, like, lost to me forever. <laughs> you're still my friends. Uh, and I love you all very much. Um, so, Kate Irwin. I met her around the same time as Musanda, um, where we met in undergrad. Um, and Kate has always been kind of a maternal figure I think of the group she um you Kate um I'm just gonna talk to you directly Uh, I always saw you as this you know very safe space um you're always no matter what looking out for everybody you know it could be we were at a party or we could be just going out for some coffee or anything and um you just always feel like this comfort. Um, And I really appreciate that. Um, And I think it can be hard sometimes to be that person because maybe people are always coming to you for perhaps advice or guidance or anything like that. And it can become overwhelming for your mental health. But um, Kate is a very strong woman at the same time. And um, yeah, she's been, she's heard a lot from me. She's been there through a lot for me and I really appreciate her. And now she's there for um, children. She works in mental health uh, where she goes to schools and she helps um, teenagers and children with, um, with their mental health issues. And I think that that is an incredible um, path to take, especially for her. I think she fits the role perfectly. Um, she studied psychology back in undergrad, and she's kind of on that path um, for her future. Um, and yeah, she's an incredible woman. And uh, let's hear what she has to say. Hello. Thank you so much, Anna, for inviting me to, to be a part of your wonderful podcast. I feel very honored. 
Uh, I've been very fortunate in my career that I've worked with some wonderful people. I've been wonderfully supported. And uh, in my industry, there are a lot of women working. And throughout my work life, I've been given, you know, lots of valuable advice. I think one piece that really sticks out to me is that courage to be imperfect. And what I mean by that is to have the bravery to accept myself for all my flaws, because we all have flaws. We all have awesome qualities too. And really to take that burden off of my shoulders when maybe things don't go 100% perfect. And really that striving for perfection, I think, can be really hard on anyone. And so having that compassion that we give to other people, have that for ourselves uh, in those moments when we're not perfect. And, you know, I heard this quote, you know, I was born to be awesome, not perfect. And I think that that's a good one for all of us. Thanks. Kate, thank you so much for that. Um, I think that's right on. You know, we we do, I think a lot of the times maybe we're told that we should strive for perfection and it's ingrained in a lot of us that perfection should exist um, or that we in particular should be striving for it. Um, speaking as a perfectionist myself, it's hard. You know, it just basically makes your life so much harder because perfection does doesn't exist it, it just doesn't we are human and that is okay to make mistakes and it is okay to do your best and your best is your perfect um and that's the way that it should be kate thank you so much for that that was incredible okay so from we are going to hear from one more person in my life who, oh, do I have stories <laughs> about this woman, Dara DeGroote. You are just such a cool person. Um, you're, you're just, you're just super cool. Um, that's really, you know, a, a, the best way I can to describe you. I think you are brilliant. I think you are admirable. But also, you are just super, super cool. And, you know, let's put you in the group with the other women that I mentioned. You are goddamn confident. You are such a confident lady. And you don't take no shit. And I fucking love that about you. Um, And I really am looking forward to uh, what you have to say. Thank you so much for participating in this, Dara. I first want to start on perhaps a negative story. I would say reflecting on National Women's Day, and I think about history because I am by trade uh, a person that's worked in museums and have specialized in historic museums. And in reflecting on this, I can remember in the 90s being a kid and wanting to fit in with the boys <laughs> at school. And in doing so very often at that time, in that time space of the world, we didn't see feminism as a cool thing. I remember that really clearly. And I remember feeling like we were equal as a child, which is amazing that I felt that way at that time. And I also specifically remember my mom Um, always claiming that she was a feminist. And I didn't see that as a positive thing at the time, which is so disturbing to me now. 
But there was a funny cultural turning point that I just want to share that's so typical millennial. But I actually remember the moment that my mind started to change about identifying as a feminist. And that was when Emma um, from the Harry Potter's classic Hermione um, actually spoke at the UN and proclaimed herself a feminist. And it's fun to think at history and think of those paradigm shift moments. And I do look at our age group and see that that was a paradigm shift um, a moment for a lot of people my age. And for myself, that was a start of my um, mindset changing uh, of, of what that means to be feminism. And the older I got, um, the more I've learned about the world and the more, you know, we have felt um, through the stories of people that I know um, the need for us as women to be together. And the feminism's a real thing and the injustice we've faced is a real thing um, just based off of our, our gender. And as we go into this new world and we reflect on um, um, genders and identities, it's it's important to come come together and recognize those pasts. And um, I'll just also want to end this on a hopeful point. So the second thing I want to share is uh, how important uh, female groups are. And since entering a workplace, and I'm very lucky to be in an industry that has tons and tons of women. And it is been one of the joys of my career to work with so many powerful, smart, and kind women. And my best example um, was when I was in Kingston, Ontario. I had, we had a great community um, with networking opportunities. And through those networking opportunities, I met fellow women my age. And there, three to four or five of them all became um, some of my best friends that I still talk to moving to new places. Uh, most recently, I was in a meeting um, and at a presentation, and a fellow coworker asked this professional in a different field, "How do you cope um, with the burnout and negative feedback?" Which is something that happens in all careers at some point. And this woman shared, "Well, I have this friend and who's in the career with me, and um, we get together and, and I talk, and, and that's how you can cope with these things." And I do feel that burnout's a real issue right now, and a huge coping mechanism for myself is those network of women in the same field as I who come together and talk about these things, who can come through that shared experience uh, and ch and chat. So. I'm so hopeful for the future in seeing these groups come together in the workplace and how important it is to have women in your workplace um, and have the people in your workplace uh, in general that reflect who you are um, and reflect yourselves because it's so important to have those networks because it's a coping mechanism um, when we're dealing with burnout or stress. And I'm so grateful to every single woman uh, that has been one of those influences in my life from mentors in my career to 
um, those women that we reach to at the end of a hard day. Um, so that's what I want to share as a, a hopeful message. Thank you, Anastasia. Thanks, Dara. Uh, we will hear a bit more from Dara. But I wanted to take a moment to um, uh, kind of comment on what Dara was saying with, with the burnout and um, how the, the, this man asked, asked this question. Just because recently I was at this Women in STEM careers event and there was this woman who gave this 10-minute presentation and she is uh, an Indigenous Australian who went into engineering, I believe. She works for NASA. Okay, she works for, or sorry, she worked for NASA. She actually quit NASA to start her own uh, company where she works with indigenous groups in Australia and um, basically strives, um, pushes these these beautiful indigenous people into sciences and helps them through that and um she quit nasa okay can i can i just can i just repeat that please this woman is incredible this woman is so brilliant and she gives us this whole speech about what she's doing she still she still let, does like work with nasa every now and again and she works with um airplanes and she makes them more aerodynamic and she makes them more um environmentally friendly and uh, just she does a lot of incredible stuff and there was a woman in the audience who had a question and by the way, before we got to that woman's question, multiple other women raised their hands just to compliment this woman because she was so goddamn incredible. <laughs> she was so high achieving. Um, she was, yeah, she was just incredible. And anyway, so <clears throat> after multiple women raised their hands just to compliment her and just to say how inspiring her presentation was, this other woman raises her hand and she goes, do you deal with imposter syndrome? And I thought that that was a very fair question. So imposter syndrome, for, for people who maybe are not familiar with the terminology, is when you feel like you basically shouldn't be there, where you are not good enough to be where you are. Um, basically, you feel like an imposter. You, you feel like you don't belong. You feel like everybody else is better than you in, in multiple different ways. Um, and this woman asked, asked the, the woman that presented about imposter syndrome and, and it was funny because she followed up that question with, because you're, you're so, you know, you've achieved so much and, um, oh, her name was Renee. Unfortunately forgot, forgot her last name, but Renee says, oh, I deal with imposter syndrome on a daily basis. And I just have to keep telling myself that I belong here. And I thought that what she said was really powerful because I, I also deal with imposter syndrome all the time. I mean, just, just rewind back to this podcast in the beginning where I told you I hate celebrating my own achievements, uh, no matter how big or small um, because it makes me feel gross. It makes me feel like I, I basically don't deserve them. Um, but don't worry, I'm working through it. Okay. This isn't a sad cry about me sort of podcast. Um, but 
you know, it, it makes you feel less of an outsider and less alone when you know there are other people going through that. And, um, you know, research, there is research to show that marginalized groups minorities, including women, including people of color, including people of the LGBTQ, do experience imposter syndrome a lot more than people in non-marginalized groups, such as cis white men. That just happens to be the case. That That is just how society has catered towards some people more so than others. And I think imposter syndrome is something that's quite difficult to get over. And, you know, you might have it all the time, but I think it's important to start making that voice in your head, that, that, that imposter in your head, don't believe it, you know, it's, it's, and it's easier said than done, but basically stop listening to that imposter voice because it is not true, um, And I always thought that that imposter voice was very important to me because it is what strives to make me better, right? Um, How else am I going to learn if I, you know, don't get criticized and and beaten down? Like, how else am I going to get better and stronger? And like, that was my mindset. And slowly but surely, I'm kind of getting out of that mindset. And um, because positive reinforcement, basically will get you a lot further than negative reinforcement. And I'm trying to implement that to myself with that imposter voice um, because it is just not true. Uh, Let's hear more from Dara. And this woman shared, well, I have this friend and a few friends. And um, when there's no answers to that negative feedback and you have to cope with it, my coping mechanism is uh, chatting it out with my fellow female professionals. That is something that that network of women that I described before has served for me time and time again. I still call them up after a tough day uh, and I know that they're going to recognize and feel what I'm feeling um, and, and relate. So I really do truly believe that those the fellow female co-workers are a huge coping mechanism for all of us and coming together like that is so important. So when we're looking at the workplace, ensuring that we have uh, women together and opportunities for women to come together in your different industries, it's so important because it's a coping mechanism. And beyond just women, it's a coping mechanism um, for all groups and genders uh, and to be able to have that network in the workplace and that safe space uh, to come together because it's powerful and it means a lot. And these women, if they're listening, they know who they are um, from mentors to co-workers to just friends. Um, it is the highlight of my career to, to work with these women. I 100% agree. The women that I have met in my life, just in my everyday, you know, social life and women that I've met in my career are all so supportive. And I very much agree with this, you know, this coping mechanism where we do 
rely on each other and we do it's I think it's really important to share with each other um, the the things that we are going through and to hear what our fellow women are also going through um, it's and I think it's just it's it goes beyond women right it's really important to listen to all communities um, especially the communities that are so silenced um, and that are that are basically bullied into silence. Um, I think it's it's important to to stand together and to to listen to each other, and not just to listen, but to actually hear what people are saying. Because it's different when people just listen to you and go, "Oh, well, that really sucks," um, and then people to actually hear what you're going through and then try and. Um, adjust their life, you know, based on, on what you said, based on the things that you go through, based on the things that make you uncomfortable. So there's one more clip that um, Dara has left. And it may be hard to listen for, for some people, because uh, it's got to do with um, sexual assault. So I just want to give you a trigger warning here that this might be hard to listen to. Um, But before we get into the audio, I just want to basically just talk a little bit about my experience. Now, I'm I'm not going to really talk about sexual assault or anything like that. I'm I'm actually just going to mostly talk about this role of a woman that um, we are supposed to play um, especially in relationships, I find um, I was put into that position um, by a, a previous relationship. I am in a very loving relationship and I have never shared so like the role of a relationship basically with a partner until I have with my beautiful, wonderful partner that I have now. Um, He's really just an incredible man. And he, he helps me celebrate myself. He, um, you know, doesn't put me in this role of a woman in the relationship, um, in terms of, you know, taking care of things and making sure dinner's ready and making sure the house is clean. And, and um, this might, it's it's not a low bar. I'm just saying that it 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 wasn't it was below the bar in 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 a previous relationship, like a, a previous relationship where um I was was to play that role, and in in yeah I was I was made to play that role, and I didn't play it well enough, um basically. Because at the same time as taking care of a man as if he was a child, I was getting an education and basically um, people that were close to him didn't like that because they thought that that would take me away from fulfilling the role of a woman in the relationship. And it sounds, it it might sound a bit insane in this day and age, um, but it was something that I have went through, I have lived through, and, you know, it's, it's, 
it's it's in the past and and I've learned from it and I've learned that I am more than just a role um and I'm more than just trying to fulfill somebody's vision of whom I should be but um on that let's um hear what Dara has to say again a trigger warning Uh, content warning of sexual assault and rape. Um, I just want to address this because rape and sexual assault are an inherent story of of women in history. And um, in terms of my own growing and, and learning, something that's become most apparent to me and why feminism and women coming together is so important is... Um, the prevalence of, of sexual assault in, in society. And just the only thing uh, I can share, I am weirdly consider myself fortunate that I have not had um, an extreme situation happen to myself. But in speaking with so many people, I can say that 15 to 20% of my friends have told me personal stories of their own sexual assault and rape. And the older I've gotten, that number is astounding. The number of women that have told me and knowing the number of women that are our friends and family that have not told about whatever situation that they've probably been in just shows you how much this still goes on, how it still needs to be addressed. It still needs to be talked about. And it has inspired me to um, continue to, to grow with our, our women and come together, knowing that this is still an issue that we need to continue to advocate for. And um, knowing that, you know, two to three women that I always meet, I meet in a day have probably had something happen to them. Um, is really concerning. And, and again, this isn't real numbers. This is just based off of my own experience. But it is one of the things that has inspired me to continue um, to, to look at feminism and learn and that we need to continue to do more. And uh, I completely echo what Dara has said. Um, there are so many women who don't even tell their stories, who, who are afraid of, of telling, um, t- telling other people what has happened to them. And there are also women who, who don't know that it has happened to them. Um, I went to a self-defense class and that's where I found out that um, basically what sexual assault is, um, that it can come in, in multiple different forms. And, um, I mean, it's a, it's a story for another time. Um, but I do want to echo Dara's words and, um, just let you know that you are not alone. And I really advise people who have been sexually assaulted um, to reach out for help and also 
I want you to know that it is not your fault. So that is it for today's episode. I want to thank all of the women who have sent in audio clips for participating in this project. And um, I want to thank Amy Urban, Dara DeGroot, Francesca Luberti, Kate Irwin, Melissa Pappas, Mole, uh, Angela Moles, Musanda Yamfa, Samantha Burke, and Zoe Zeracostas. Thank you so much for participating in this. Now, before we finish off, there's just one more person that I want to highlight. And she is such a really incredible person in my life. Um, her name is Yelena Varona. Um, she, I've met her in Australia. And she is the wisest woman I've ever met. <laughs> Basically, there's there's no other way I can I can uh, say it. Um, she always comes with the best advice and with the realest advice. And um, she just had a baby. She just had a baby. She is incredibly busy right now. So I just wanted to highlight her. Um, and say that there are so many more incredible women in my life. And uh, thank you so much for participating in this project. Happy Women's History Month. Happy International Women's Day. You know, being a woman can be tough at times, but it can also be incredible. And we have this superpower and we really need to utilize it. Um, and, you know, if you have your own stories, feel free to reach out on the email, um, or, you know, to reach out to me on social media, um, Sai underscore Stasia, um, that's S-C-I underscore S-T-A-S-I-A, um, or you can always email convos with chordates at gmail.com. Uh, I'm always here to listen. Um, and uh, what I do want to end on is, so I know the song Labor hasn't actually officially come out yet, but there are a few snippets that have been shared by um, Paris Paloma herself. And I want to end this podcast on a snippet of that song because I think it's incredible and you should check it out March 24th um, when it comes out. Uh, I think it is a perfect feminist beautiful celebrating women song uh so thank you so much for listening to chordates and i'll chat to you next time Baby,